thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. How are you? I am pushing an elephant up the stairs. <laughs> you know what group I love, right? Uh, of course. Well, yeah, I thought I, I thought I would put that out there. A little, little yeah. bit of fan candy for you. Yeah. So today, this is the, this is the second uh, in our series of uh, uh, Deleuze uh, episodes. And the previous episode, uh, which is out of uh, time chronologically, time is going to be a big thing in this episode. Um, we talked about uh, Deleuze with Guattari and. Um, specifically um, uh, focus more on anti-Oedipus and uh, the political uh, push that starts to foment for um, for Deleuze at this time. Uh, there were two other books that uh, we, and then also the other A Thousand Plateaus, uh, or A Thousand Plateaus, the other yeah. Capitalism and Schizophrenia book. Um, and there were two other books that we, um, I think we said we were going to talk about and we didn't. One of them we're going to try to get to today, which is the um, Tour de Minor Literature, the book on Kafka. Yeah. Uh, the idea of the minor, the way that he means that, I think is like, it, that Very significant. Idea, yeah, it is significant. I think it has its root in uh, difference and repetition. So we're gonna try to try to work that in. Um, yeah. This earlier period um, for Deleuze, though, um, I think uh, from 1960 to um, to 1970. Uh, well, mm, yeah, that's right. Is that, yeah, is that right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, is uh, has a uh, like a two. There, there are two pushes in it that um, are neatly concretized, I think, in uh, Difference and Repetition, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. And that's um, Deleuze, the student of philosophy, who is reading the history of philosophy and trying to articulate its, uh, like, for for him, what he sees as the, uh, like, the, just the major purpose and its uh, problems and where he sees himself in this. So to pun a little bit on how difference in repetition is structured is that what you have in this period is um, uh, like Deleuze looking at philosophy for itself and then it moves toward Deleuze for himself. And that's kind of like one of the, I think one of the orthodox orthodox readings of specifically difference in repetition, which is where uh, we have a, a kind of a lengthy disquisition on uh, prior philosophy and what he sees as the, like a great error in philosophy, um, which we will get to. And then where he sees himself in this. So there's a whole lot to get to. We're not going to get to every work uh, in this period um, or promise to, uh, but what we want to look at to try to, um, bring this together is kind of similar to what we did in the first, uh, first Dilla's episode is what's his project. What is, what is his question? What, what is the thing that is, uh, driving him and, uh, where does it take him and why does he think the, the way that, that he does and, and, and go through? Cause there, there are, I think a lot of the, we've been talking about this a lot in the last like couple of weeks. I think a lot of the attraction to Dilla's is that he is so idiosyncratic as a, as a thinker. And, and yeah. he, he really, he pushes against, um, orthodox readings and, and canonical understandings. And I think that that is also part of the, like the liberatory thing that like, uh, Guattari turns like political, I think right. in, in, in him, in, in the anti-Oedipus and thousand plateaus book books. Um, and it's, it, it takes, it takes, it takes root here. So, um, before I'm tempted before to we, say, Ryan, yeah, that the only thing that Guattari adds and the only thing that changes is really the overt political 
turn, and also, of course, the preoccupation with capitalism in the mm. in the two big books from the seventies. But other than that, I don't think there's. I mean, don't you? I mean, this is. I think we both think this that there's a real constancy in Deleuze's mm-hmm. position, contra what a lot of our friends think, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, and we can get into this. Uh, we, I mean, no, we can't. We will get into this. Um, I, I think that for his whole career, um, in different ways, he's working with and against uh, Freud's notion of drive. Right. And I, I think that... Um, if anything is the, you know, what we talked about in the last episode where, you know, we said like our position is like, if, if there's going to be a primary concept of psychoanalysis, we would prefer it to be uh drive rather than um, the Oedipal complex. And like, and we were trying to, we we're trying to push on, on that text and that, in that period in, in, uh, in, in a, in a productive way. Cause it's like, it'd be really, it'd be really easy. I, I would like, if, somebody said this to me like afterwards, but like, it'd have been really easy to be like super dismissive of the, of that book and what he's trying to get into to just say like, what's more Oedipal than anti-Oedipus right. as in like, like who, like how, like, is there a more announced project that's like just trying to kill the father than that book? And I think, and like, you know, I, I totally, I see that point, but like, I think that there, he and Guattari are trying to do other stuff in, in that. I, I, don't, I don't think it's just reducible to that. And what, you know, again, what we were trying to do and I'm, what I'm doing here is just, trying to show how this episode is working with the previous one is like, what are the guiding and underpinning questions? And so that was what we did in the last episode. What is the, what is, what are the, the, the founding, like, like the principal questions at work in that book. And we're going to try to do the same thing with this period, uh, for Deleuze. And I, I think that you're right. So like a constant fascination, one of the things is, um, is drive, I think, and beyond and specifically, well, I mean, we could even maybe say beyond the pleasure principle as a whole. Right. Um, Another, another, an alternate title for, for difference and repetition. It, it might as well just put Fort Da right, in the title right, because right. I, I think it's a, it's a really, really important concept for him there. And we're going to talk about that. But the most important figure that I, that this goes throughout um, all the periods. And I think we will in the third episode, when we talk about the cinema books, talk about him a lot is a lot Bergson. More. Yeah. Right. Like the, I think even though there's the big books on Spinoza, like I, th- I think, um, in the way that we've been, you know, uh, reading and prepping for these episodes, uh, like I, I thought this was my own. I just want to put put my hand up. I thought this was my own original observation was that right. Bergson is the mo- is the most important uh, uh, thinker for for Deleuze uh, and not uh, Spinoza or Nietzsche. And it turns out that um, Alain Badiou already said that. In just a book said it I, directly. Like he just said it exactly directly. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too it really. It sucks. Like like yeah. you really oh. want to like you think you have something original, although. You could act like Slavoj and just never cite the person, and then say it so That's, often that it becomes like, oh, it's Zizek that said, like, like that. What he did with that when Jameson said this that, that we can imagine the end of the world easier than we can in, imagine the end of capitalism. Like Zizek oh, constantly yeah. repeated that, and so it almost became his line, even though yeah. Jameson originated it. So maybe we can do the same with. Deleuze is Bergsonian. Deleuze is Bergsonian. That's <laughs> yeah, Brian English's point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I, uh, you know, it would take, it would take, uh, you know, years, decades of dedicated, um, like <laughs> of dedicated repetition, uh, uh, to, for, for me to take that point. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I have it in me, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. But, but um, it's interesting. So, so the, so he wrote an initial book on Hume in 1953. So it's very, he's very young 
that's called empiricism and subjectivity. And he, so he's drawn to Hume's empiricism. And remember his project, his overall project, he calls transcendental empiricism. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But then in 1960, the book on Bergson appears called Bergsonism. And I think that, I think you're right to say, like, that's the real point at which Deleuze becomes Deleuze because Bergson's really the parent figure for him, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, mm-hmm. and then, then, the Spinoza book, so the Nietzsche book is pretty soon after that. That's 1960, what is it, like 62, so a couple years later. And then mm-hmm. the, the Spinoza books don't come till 68 and 70. So the big one, mm-hmm. Expressionism and Philosophy, and then Spinoza Practical Philosophy is in 70. And I think mm-hmm. there's a, you can almost think of the order of their influence on Deleuze in the, in the order that they appear, like first Bergson, then Nietzsche, then Spinoza. But, you know, the funny thing is when you read Spinoza and those I think they're really I think all those books are really good. The Nietzsche one is the one I'm a little more skeptical about his main point there, but I think there's something really compelling about them. And so mm-hmm. I don't know when I when I read the Bergson book I'm like, "Oh, Bergson's the key figure." But then when I read the Spinoza <laughs> books I'm like, "Oh, Spinoza's the key figure." But I think the key thing is really and why it's Bergson and not Spinoza is that there's no Spinoza has no theory of time. So that mm, so and right. I think Time and temporality. So for Bergson, temporality, he wrote this, one of his earliest books is called Time and Free Will. And his idea is that in space, we're confined, like space is determinate, but in Mm -hmm. time, we can always do something different. So time Mm -hmm. is really the the ground of freedom, the Mm -hmm. ability to just do something like I, because I exist in time, instead of walking home, I could walk to this somebody else's house and have an affair, right? Like there, I could just do sure. this totally different thing. And I think that that notion of absolute freedom in time, I think really appeals to Deleuze. And it's interesting, he even, so Bergson had this famous exchange with Einstein where he basically tried to reject the notion of, of temporal relativity. And, right. and, and, and Deleuze even defends him on that and says, Einstein is actually the the furthest point of the spatialization of time. And that's what, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that Bergson is not at all a Marxist, but this notion that time is spatialized is precisely, I think, the notion, the Marxist notion of reification, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the, so I think that's, that's sort of interesting and that's, but that's well, what, can we, yeah, can go we ahead, hang sorry. out on this for a second? Yeah, because yeah. I think this is, I think this is really important is that um, for Deleuze, um, and this is a thing that, that I think, um, that, uh, that I, that I find, uh, sometimes frustrating. Sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's, it's enlightening and, and, and generative to use a word that I think you would like. Um, but Deleuze is, I mean, this, I, I called him idiosyncratic earlier, and this is part of the, the idiosyncrasy is that I think if Deleuze was, was still alive, he would absolutely still defend Bergson on this point of being anti, um, uh, theory of relativity when nobody else would, because for Deleuze, I think that Bergson sees a point that Deleuze would that the Deleuze thinks Einstein misses. So like it doesn't matter. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it would matter. But he's physically Deleuze. wrong. Like he's wrong in yes. terms of the physics, right? I think. That's yes, right. exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't think that would. I don't think that would matter to him even a little bit. I think that um, all that that like that that what matters is that Einstein has just found that all that, I guess to, to Deleuze, this would be my reading of, of how Deleuze would respond to this is that, that all Einstein has done is found a way for science to um, limit our freedom. Right. 
And right. what Bergson wants to insist on is against that limitation. So it doesn't matter if literally scientifically that Einstein is correct. It doesn't matter at all. What what really matters is like one's approach to like <laughs> being in time, I guess, like 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 literal being and in, in or maybe not being in time, but being in time. In time. I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point, Ryan. And I think it doesn't that tie to this idea in difference and repetition where Deleuze says the problem with the history of philosophy is that it's preoccupied itself with error. And the mm-hmm. real problem is not error, it's banality, right? And so mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. great about Bergson is he avoids banality, right? Like he, yeah. he is so, he's so invested in novelty and the new that he mm-hmm. never gets trapped in banality in the way that maybe Einstein does. Like I don't want to necessarily, yeah. I mean, no, I don't no. want to <laughs> speculate necessarily on what Deleuze would say about Einstein, but I do yeah. think, I think that's interesting that, and I think, you know, I mean, that might even be his response to Sokol's critique, right? Like that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that like, oh, fine, I don't even care if it's wrong. My point mm-hmm. is it's not, there's no banality in what I'm saying. And that's right. what's important. And it's not important really to distinguish truth from error as much because error isn't the problem. And I think that's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that fits, to me, that fits within his entire philosophy. But it's a really fascinating turn that he gives to thought, right? To all of a sudden that banality is the problem and not, and not error, because, you know, from Descartes on, modern philosophy's preoccupation was with how do we avoid error? Yeah, and I think that this is it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting point. Uh, and I think that it, it's so um, this is, I think, still the, uh, the the preamble, like setting up, like how we're going to go through the episode. But um in a difference in, in, in repetition, um uh, Deleuze is, is very much pushes against Hegel, um, very, very like anti-Hegelian in a number of uh, different ways, which we're going to talk about. But um, one of the ways in which I think he is, in some ways, I said this to you before the show, perhaps an ideal Hegelian figure is um, what Hegel writes about, like you don't strip away you know, fiction or, or falsity from truth, like dross from pure metal, like, right. like you, like, right. and like to understand something wrongly and to like proceed in that direction is like, and, and to try to sharpen and file that down. I mean, that's someone I would think is, is, is who is attempting to commit themselves to the phenomenology of spirit. Now I think Hegel would would think that a lot of the like a lot of like the places where Deleuze starts his inquiry and the 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 ways that he you know or the steps that he takes within it I just Hegel would disagree with sharply yeah. but I I think that um I don't know I think I think in this way it it, it is um in a, in a primary way proceeding according to that like principle of Hegel that that I that I like hold dear yeah I yeah I think important. that's really a good point that that Hegel himself is of course never dismissive of error or falsity, right? Like the, yeah. like think yeah. of, think of like uh phrenology, like that's, that, yeah. uh, that comes way, you know, the whole point of the phenomenology is it's true or as it goes along and phrenology comes mm-hmm. pretty far along. And even though it's this, he thinks on the other, on one hand, it's the stupid science, right? It's not mm-hmm. pseudoscience, right? He doesn't think it's a science. And, and, and yet it's, it's the way in which it's wrong has a kind of fecundity for Hegel. And I think mm. that he would, I think that's a way in which he and Deleuze are, so maybe this is one way in which Slavoj is thinking about them 
Although he never brings this up in his book. What's his book again? It's Organs Without uh, Bodies. Organs Without Bodies. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, that, so I think that, but that is, I think, nonetheless, a kind of point of connection between Hegel and, and Deleuze, that, that, that the error the error can be productive, even if it's mm-hmm. it's wrong. That that doesn't really matter that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's definitely right. And I mean, it's a big it's a big thing for Deleuze about like like the domain of error or the domain of uh, nonsense, right? Uh, right as right. he sort of talks about in Logic of Sense. Like there's there's more there there to him um, than there is in some like proceeding in 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 a in a proper way however you might understand like or, or like, like, or, a, a or like the articulation yeah. of a banal truth right like if it's yeah. banal it's worthless and i think yeah. that's a real you know if you've ever been at a party mm-hmm. i think you can maybe understand where Delis is coming from right like <laughs> like you don't care if the person you're talking to is just spouting nonsense as long as they're interesting but if they're yeah, just yeah. articulating banalities you're like i need another drink right like I you, need an, yeah yeah <laughs> So I think, I wonder if, I mean, my, part of me thinks like his whole philosophy came, he was at these parties in Paris and he's like, God, I just want someone interesting to talk to. I don't care if they're crazy. And then he's like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, wait yeah. a minute. There's this whole thing. Like maybe banality is the <laughs> entire problem and philosophy's just got misguided into thinking error is the problem. You know, and, and I think now that we're having this conversation uh i think that not in not in perhaps not in a delizian way but like uh i can totally buy the argument that this is like like what's what's exciting what's exciting about analytic philosophy or even or even i mean even in 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 this like again to look at it this way what's exciting in continental philosophy like what's what 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 is uh like where's the breaking news in it where's the like hold on to your hats like like i, I, I don't know like i i you can kind of you can kind of see that and yeah. you could kind of but you can kind of buy the argument that that's the whole problem um i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna subscribe to that like to that extent i think i i um i do i like um zizek's reversal of the um theses on Feuerbach that the the, the the point is to understand the world because not to, philo- try to like philosophers it. yeah the philosophers have always tried to change the yeah, world yeah, and yeah. and yeah. that haven't committed like like ruthlessly enough to like understanding it and i i think there might be i don't know i to me i think that there's something in that um i do too and, but i also yeah, think the yeah. problem is that like okay it's terrible to be stuck with a person uttering banalities at a party but isn't it almost even just as bad to be stuck with somebody who only wants to provoke constantly, right? Like, yeah, no, like, that's a good point. Like there becomes, there's a kind of banality of novelty. And I think, I wonder if that's something that mm. Deleuze doesn't, like he doesn't think through really, because for yeah. him, and I, and I, and this is something that we've, we've talked about, I think a little bit in the discussion of capitalism and, and Deleuze that, there is a way in which his his absolute privileging of novelty is 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 really not alien to the structure of capitalism, right? Like no. like capitalism only want like it in order to be invested in capitalism, you have to believe in the absolutely novel. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if you believe that you're just repeating, not in Deleuze's sense, if you're just repeating, mm-hmm. if you're if you're stuck in a in a the repetition of the drive, let's say. Mm-hmm. In the way that Freud or or Slavoj or I or you understand it, right? Like, then you're not going to be a good consumer because 
you're not you're never going to think that the product or the commodity can give you something new that you were missing before. Instead, you think, well, every new commodity, I'm going to still miss the thing that I'm missing, right? So yeah. I feel like, but but if you're a Deleuzian, I think you can be a really good capitalist. Like you can be mm -hmm. a really good capitalist subject because you believe in the promise of the new commodity. And I, I mean, I, maybe that's unfair to him, but I think there is a way in which there's a, a conjunction between how he thinks about novelty and how capitalism demands that we think about novelty. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is, this is probably, this is probably a good time to, uh, to commit to a, a trajectory of the, of the readings like right, right here to yeah, um, yeah. like, if you, if you could say a little bit more about, um, uh, uh, Berg's, is it, should I say Bergsonism? Bergsonism? Yeah, yeah, Bergsonism. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I, so, so this is 1960 and mm -hmm. what he what he loves in Bergson is the idea that, we're absolutely temporal beings and that every mm -hmm. moment is an absolutely a moment of absolute novelty. Right. And mm -hmm. also that Bergson conceives of difference independent of negation. And I think mm -hmm. that to me yeah. is so crucial for what, I mean, they're like those two ideas. I almost think you've got the whole thing except, and this is what I think he finds in Spinoza. So I'll, I'll, but I'll go through Nietzsche first because that book comes, so the, the, the Nietzsche book 62 and in that book, he, he conceives of this, I think, so he thinks of Nietzsche as a completely affirmative reader. And so he says there's no way to reconcile the Nietzschean yes to the dialectical no. So, mm -hmm. so what he likes about, so Nietzsche's this break from dialectics for him, although that's there in Bergson too. So that, that's, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's new in Nietzsche. And this is another reason why I think Badu and, and us were right to think that, <laughs> that uh, Bergson is the key figure because that absolute affirmative philosophy is is even there. But the other, so the other point he makes about Nietzsche is that Nietzsche's eternal return is not an eternal return of the same, but an mm -hmm. eternal return of only what's different. So it's only active forces that return, and everything that's passive or reactive dies in history. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a I think that. That's a crazy reading of Nietzsche, frankly, because <laughs> Nietzsche's whole point about the eternal return is, I want to think the thing that's the most horrible, and the most horrible thing would be everything that I've done, I've done already for all eternity, and it's mm -hmm. going to be the same for all eternity in the future, and thus existence can only have an aesthetic justification, right? It's only the beauty of what I'm doing and mm -hmm. my subjectivity that can make anything worthwhile because I'm never going to get anywhere because everything is just returning. And I think he, I think Nietzsche, whether he really thought that it happened or not, but he thought that was a necessary heuristic for this aesthetic of existence. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really, I think that's lost in, in Deleuze's reading. So anyway, so, and then, well, that's, I mean, just yeah, to, let's stop there. Go ahead. No, no, yeah. no, no. Just pull, just to pull that back. Yeah. Like that's, that is in a nutshell. So, Nietzsche saying what you just said and Deleuze seeing him as the this thinker of like eternal differential return yeah to to, yeah. to, to put it in that phrase like that's I, I think that's the um that's the Deleuzean uh I don't know ethic uh if you like of 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 of, of reading is like what is the what is the idea? And, and again, I, I also think this is part of his his appeal is like, what, 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 how does it hit you? And where is the thing? What, what, what does it, what does it spark in you to think about? 
And I'm not like, I don't think that he's like, I, I'm like, it sounds like it's a, like if you put it on, like on the table, like, like you, you put the words on the table, like what Nietzsche says and then what Deleuze says, Nietzsche says that like Deleuze is, is just like wrong about that. But like, again, this is why I wanted to emphasize this point about um, the theory of relativity. Deleuze would not care about that. Right. What he right. cares about is like, well, no, like the, this, this eternal like return and this like aesthetics of, of existence within this, like you have the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, like that's, that, that's, 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 that's difference, baby. And that's from, and, and he got that from, from Nietzsche and like, maybe it's as simple as he was reading Nietzsche and he thought that therefore Nietzsche said that. I don't know. Maybe that's reductive. And, and no, I think, but. Ryan, I think there's something to that because Nietzsche clearly says there is an eternal return of the same. Like he doesn't, yeah, okay. he's not, he doesn't <laughs> equivocate. <laughs> it's yeah, very yeah. clear what he says, but I think you're right. I think for Deleuze, the, the productive misreading is mm-hmm. the reading. Like that is yeah, the reading. Yeah. Like I don't think, I don't think he would have any truck with this idea that we, we have to get the precise reading. You know, I think that no, just is, yeah. it's just, for him, that just that wouldn't make any sense because the whole point is how can we produce the new? How can this reading of Nietzsche mm-hmm. lead to the production of the new? And if it and if it does, then it, that's the right reading. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think that you know again, I think this goes back to his critique of the obsession with error versus yeah. a proper obsession with banality. Um. Was there so? Was there more you wanted to say about the well, Nietzsche book? No, or, but yeah. I, 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 oh, I, I just will say this something personal because I, <laughs> okay. so, so this was the first. Maybe I read Anti Oedipus first, but it was one of the early Deleuze books I read, and I was already Hegelian, and I, and, but I was very committed to Nietzsche, and I, I, I was committed to the idea that Nietzsche and Hegel were Billy had the same project, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I just, I, I absolutely, when I read Anti Oedipus, I was kind of friendly to it, other than mm-hmm. the. Rejection of negativity, which bothered me, but I, I liked mm-hmm. the critique of Oedipus complex. Mm-hmm. When I read the Nietzsche book, I was just I was pretty horrified because <laughs> because I did I just I thought that Nietzsche was doing the same thing as Hegel, and I thought Eternal Return was actually a Hegelian, the most Hegelian of Nietzsche's ideas, mm-hmm. because it's about the way in which we're always caught up within. Like we can never get out of our of of of, of a certain problematic, right? Like mm-hmm. we can't. We, there's not going to be some some point in the future where we're going to be free of mm-hmm. this of this contradictory problem, right? And so I thought that. And you Nietzsche, still think that? Like I think that that's is it, do you think that still underpins your reading of uh, of Hegel as of Hegel for sure? I don't know yeah. about Nietzsche anymore. Like okay. I I think I've been convinced by all these. Like it's I don't know it's just I know Alenka has a pro Nietzsche book but oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like all the people that we it's like Nietzsche has been so taken up by by people like Deleuze that it seems like he's on this other side and I I don't know I I I, I still read Nietzsche every once in a while but I haven't I don't like when I was first sort of being born as a thinker like Nietzsche was just mm-hmm. absolutely central to me and and I, I guess he doesn't. So I don't know. I don't know what I would say anymore about that. I think that he's, I think maybe Deleuze is right that there really is an opposition between Hegel and Nietzsche and it concerns mm-hmm. dialectic probably that, that, mm-hmm. that Nietzsche doesn't accept dialectic. I think that's probably right. But anyway, um, but just to get on to Spinoza, cause I think yeah. that, that's what I, that's, I think that he's a key. And I think what he gets from Spinoza and I, I think we should 
talk about this and, and explore it because this, yeah. I think, mm -hmm. is really just an interesting thing and how it fits in with the rest of Deleuze, I, I think we need to explore, and that is the univocity of being. So that's, yes. his, yeah. that's mm -hmm. I think, the main Spinoza yeah. idea. Yes. Sorry, oh. that was it. I was... <laughs> oh, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to... No, 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 I wasn't going to go on. I would, would, so that's okay, my point. Right. That the no, univocity no, of being okay. is what he gets from Spinoza. And I think that, uh -huh. really, that uh -huh. really has a deep impact on him as a thinker. Okay, so you're, you're correct. I am... Uh, I'm usually pretty good at reading when you're going to pause. I <laughs> so I didn't, but I, 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 uh, was, I was asleep at the wheel on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's okay. Um, no, it's, that's pretty funny. So the, this is the point and I've, the, the, part of the reason why uh, you know, part of the reason brought up the Bergson point and, and also the, brought up uh, Badu is because Badu takes us up in his book on 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 Deleuze. Absolutely, uh, I mean this is which, the key point of Badu's book, I think. Yeah, which is that university of being is <laughs> university of being equal slash not equal to uh, absolute novelty of uh, through repetition. Like right, and, th and th these these ideas do not work together, and so for like Badu. Is it is it does not work that you cannot have a university of, of being which Deleuze clearly is is on on the side of of, of advocating and, and exploring and I mean you know he does this in uh, Anti Oedipus and A Thousand Plateaus and also the same the, hold the, this idea um, of multiplicity right. and the new appearing like this this like constant. Uh, absolute novelty of of the new um, uh, appearing through like through through repetition like that these ideas don't make sense together right and also isn't isn't that that key point that he develops in both in difference and repetition and in logic of sense of a nomadic singularity that yeah. is multiple yeah. like yeah. it's really hard and this is Badu's point then it's yeah. really hard to think that alongside the university of being i mean mm -hmm. i think his what he likes about the university of being is that there's no trans, it's his way of saying there's no transcendence that being is totally mm -hmm. imminent mm -hmm. okay but then <laughs> yeah <go. laughs> yeah no, what were no, you say go ahead. no it's just like i i mean i think um that we're i just think we're 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 back in the we're back in the territory okay so this is the this is the thing that for for Deleuze as a reader of of philosophy and a, and a thinker of of being and existence that I think that and we said this in the last episode I think that he finds I think he finds the right questions and the right problems and I think that his answer uh, yields issues that I, I don't I don't know necessarily how to square while maintaining some other. Deleuzean principle, like it, it almost seems like to square the universe, university of being with multiplicity, you have to give up something in one of them. I think for so. For it to make sense. Yeah. And maybe he would, but, but I, I and, and I, I don't know, maybe we're being too rigid. I suppose Deleuze would probably say that, but like it, it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to, to square the, the, the university of being this absolute novelty and multiplicity, and it requires also there to be no subject, because what right. and I don't know. Do we is is Dilla's like anti sub? He's yeah, very yeah, much yeah, anti, yeah. Okay, yeah very much no no no. no but, but I mean at this point, yeah, I think the, from the beginning. 
okay, think from right. the beginning, I think from the Nietzsche book, he's already, or from the Bergson book, he's already anti-subject. Okay. And I think we'll even from at, the Hume yeah. book, actually, because I think, wow. and I that do recall that, then. so that's 53. <laughs> so even in yeah. the Hume book, what he likes about Hume is that Hume, you know, Hume gets rid of the idea of subject because he thinks we can't, we're never the same being because we're, we're, we're constantly moving in time. So we're never mm-hmm. actually the same. Our experiences are never tied to the same being over time. So he rejects, even though he was alive before Kant, but nonetheless, he rejects the idea of there's a, like a transcendental that, that holds mm-hmm. the subject together. The, okay. the, so that for Hume, there is no transcendental unity of apperception, which is what Kant thinks is what allows me to link my perception one moment to my perception the next moment is what he calls the mm-hmm. transcendental unity of apperception. Hume doesn't believe in that, and I think Deleuze doesn't believe in that either. So there is this, so there, the, all there are are different singularities, nomadic singularities. There's mm-hmm. no molar subject. So let me give you a phrase okay. that this would be my, now politically I, I disagree with this idea um, and probably even philosophically, but I want to throw this out to you and if to ask if it resolves any of these issues, um, to think in terms of a desubjectivizing egalitarian notion of, I don't know, the self, I think would probably be the word. Why like self? You, though I think you can't invoke self. You can't there. say self. Okay. No. What about what, in, is individual? No, I think it has to be the singularity, right? It has to be. Okay. A, okay. All right. Yeah. So, so, it, so a desubjectivizing egalitarian singularity. Yes. I think that's okay. his philosophical position, okay. and 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 implicitly political position. Yeah, 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 uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the whole. I mean, that's the whole thing that like, that's the yeah. So there's no just to like unpack that because it's a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's nonsense, but as Deleuze would uh, adhere to that, you know, there there nonsense is sense. I think nonsense is sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, for. Actually, nonsense is the sense event. I think he thinks that. I think that's. I think that's correct. Right. Yeah, is the sense event. Yeah. So the. the um, okay. Uh, as we learned in uh, Anti Oedipus, and uh, as Deleuze explores in um, the logic of sense, is when he like first starts to think the the body without organs. Like what. Um, what Deleuze is absolutely opposed to is any kind of. Um, internal order uh that would determine your subjectivity and so like if you want to um there i I had a a listener shared with me is like an old meme from like some post on the internet where someone's writing in all caps explain to Liz to me or I will fucking kill you. Don't dumb it down. It's just like a long it's a long rant. It's so it's so it's really really funny. Um so to try to do this um I guess the this is one of where you, one of the ways that you can see um, Deleuze being um, anti-Hegelian uh, is that the the like organs provide this internal contradiction that we need to escape from, uh, and and he wants to like abscond ab- from from these kinds of spaces where your activity is organized. And so that's right. like another like way of like playing on, on that word organ, right? right? Which like works or- in French, not just in English. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So like organ, the, the or- organization, right. Okay. Yeah, so the, your, yeah. your organs organize, organize you. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's no, why there's no. a body without organs. It's because you're resisting. It's the way in which the body resists the attempt to organize it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, 
we so we reject which predates Guattari, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he starts that he does that in um, in Logic of Sense is, right. is where I think the first time he articulates that idea and that and for at the, at the at the time uh, of well that publication he's thinking about that in terms of like the um, like the I want to say like the the body in the symbolic and he wants to find a way out of the 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 what Lacan identifies I mean and I apologize if we're going all over the place but it's like we're trying to pull pull like a thread of how Deleuze thinks and why he thinks the way he does like like through but um he's pushing against uh Lacan's uh Lacan's notion of, of seriality or how a series forms which it, he explains in the Perlane letter seminar um but it is explained much better by Bruce Fink in the Lacanian subject in the second yeah. chapter um and that even within the domain of chance events and internal order manifests itself to determine possibility and impossibility. So rules emerge uh, like that did not exist before the moment something gains signification. And if that is an idea that's like hard to hold in, in one's head, like uh, w- one of the, cause it is like, I mean, that's, that's not, that's, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's like a, a good radio uh, kind of idea. And I would explain it the way Lacan does, but it's even worse for radio because it's with coin tosses coin and tosses, symbols. Yeah, and it's too, yeah, yeah. it's not even, it's not a math theme where we could talk about it. It's just, yeah. it's, it really, you need to look at it um, to, to, to get what he's saying and think explains this really well. But, I'll give an example from serial narrative because the principle applies is that like when one begins writing something, you can do whatever you want. You're writing a fictional world. You got all, all everything is fine. The, the, like you, you can do whatever you want, but the second you do anything, it actually closes down your possibility of doing something later than the line down, down the line. So you might just say, you'd be a little bit thoughtful and say like, it took 10 minutes for a character to go from somewhere to somewhere else, because that's how you want to imagine the world. But now that's a rule you have to abide by for the rest of your writing something and a pretty unless you're making the television series 24 in which you can cross Los Angeles in two minutes. Right. Of course. <laughs> well, right. Well, no, but that, so, but even then it, that's, that's where a rule the, within that world. Ex- right. Well, exactly. And it's also imposed by the order of the series. Like right. if every episode is an hour, then that has to happen that way. Right. Like it, it, it's not like they, like they didn't, make it up because they're lazy, like, it has to happen that way. Right. You have to go across right. in two minutes. Like you can't that, have a traffic it. jam. You can't have a traffic jam. It's, right. it's, it's not it's Which not means thinkable. you're not driving in Los Angeles. Which, exactly. <laughs> and, and so we're in the, totally in the domain of, of fiction, of course. Right. But, like, the... Um, yeah, so another high-profile series, like, a um, series of books, like, this happened to George R. R. Martin writing... Uh, the Song of Ice and Fire, like, and people just think he's not finishing this book series because he's lazy or something. But like, what happened to him? And you can look this up; it's pretty good. Like articles on what's called the Miranese Knot, um, it, where he wanted he wanted to. Um, well, first of all, the book series started as a trilogy, and then he realized he couldn't do it, and, and like, so that's already an example of right. Lacan's idea. Right. But um, he wanted to advance the plot by 10 years. And he also realized I can't do that. I can't just say all this stuff just stayed in stasis for 10 years. So he had to figure out how all these characters from different parts of his world were going to get in the same place at the same time. And it took him, it took him like 10 years or something to be like, okay, well there needs, there needs to be a plague here. There needs to be a problem here. (laughs) There needs to be a marriage here. There needs to be all this stuff so that everyone can get in the same place at the same time. And you know what the TV show did, Todd? You'll, you'll find this interesting. I have no idea. No, what? Four cuts, maybe. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and it kind of wrecked the, uh, spatial temporality of the show. 
Because right. when they resolved the Miranese not that way, um, like time and space had no more meaning in like the final two seasons. And like people joked that it was like season six or whatever it was, the characters unlocked fast travel like you're in a video game. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. and, and that. So, okay. That's the Khan's whole idea. Okay. He explores this in uh, seminar two right. and in the uh, Perlone letter uh, lecture. And, and in that uh, Acree, of course, which is, in, a, yeah, which is a pale copy of the great seminar. I think we I both agree, think I, that, I think. Yeah, so. I, agree, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's harder. It's harder to read and, yeah. and make sense of too. Yeah. And, and uh, really Bruce Fink has done, uh, the Lord's work in, um, yeah. in, in, in making the, the whole thing more, um, more, 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 especially the stuff about the coin tossing. I think he, yeah. his stuff on that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's uh, essential. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. and, and, but it is, it produces everything that I just said is a problem to Deleuze. It's a problem for start as well. We, we talked about this a little bit, yeah. like, like being, um, being ordered by right. something, being collected by, being you know organized by, you know you, you know having the, this internal order, and like we need to like what Deleuze wants is to move to another kind of territory, and he doesn't want to get caught up. He doesn't want to get caught up in the rules that emerge in repetition. Right. So let's talk about difference in repetition and how he like how he un- unpacks that. And, right. And, that's and, a great, yeah, that. uh, that's a great cut from logic <laughs> of sense to difference in repetition. I just want to dwell a little bit in logic yeah. of sense because sure, sure. I think that, you know, when, when, when in anti-Oedipus, when, when, uh, Guattari and Deleuze talk about the despotism of the signifier, mm-hmm. I think what they're talking about really is the way in which the signifier catches us up in these series yeah, and that yeah. you can't, you get stuck in that, you get ordered by that, and that the signifier is an ordering, like the symbolic order. Mm -hmm. And that's, the problem Mm -hmm. isn't that it's symbolic, the problem is that it's an order. And that's what Deleuze wants to break out of, any Mm -hmm. kind of ordering, that's thus the body without organs. So I think that's his preference for the sign instead Mm -hmm. of the signifier is precisely that there's no no sign order, like there's no Mm -hmm. signic order, there's a symbolic order. But the mm-hmm. sign doesn't isn't necessarily attached to an overall order, and I think that's why. So, so there's a book on Proust, which is called mm-hmm. Proust and Signs, right? So the sign it, it remains important for him, and he's constantly mm-hmm. contrasting it with the signifier. I think for the reason you just said that the signifier has this despotic order that always comes with it. Okay, yeah. Now, yes. on to difference in repetition. So I think it's similar with repetition that repetition the way it's hugely conceived in both, certainly in Freud, and then I think in philosophy, and so Kierkegaard has a little book called Repetition, and there's a theory of repetition in Hegel as well. Mm -hmm. The way in which repetition gets theorized is it gets, repetition is repetition of the same. And so it's, Mm -hmm. again, this repetition is a way that singularities and multiplicity is ordered. Mm -hmm. And I think what Deleuze wants to do is free repetition from order and from yeah. the reproduction of the same. That's why the book is called Difference and Repetition. It might even mm-hmm. be called better the repetition of difference. And I think mm-hmm. for him, even, I think this is how you have to think of it. And this mm-hmm. took me a while to get to, but I think you have to think of it like even repetition produces the new. So it's yeah. clear that things don't that don't repeat produce the new. But his mm-hmm. point is even things that repeat 
produce novelty. And I think that's something that Slavoj's that book squares, on del- that, yeah. sorry, that square that squares his take on on Nietzsche right. and in turn right, eternal right. return. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think that's what Slavoj misses in mm-hmm. his reading of Deleuze because he wants to say that it's only repetition mm-hmm. for Deleuze that produces the new, but that's not right at all, I don't think. That that instead it's it's his point is even repetition produces mm-hmm. the new. And I think that once you understand it in that way, because for him, the new is constantly, it's constantly produced. And I think that's what, you know, it's very, if you understand repetition in the, in any traditional way, either psychoanalytically or philosophically, it's hard to make sense of what he's trying to get at precisely because he links it to not, to absolute novelty. I once heard someone, a Deleuzian on a podcast, it was for France Culture, and, 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 and they, they said, I can prove that repetition uh, creates the new. And they just tapped their pen. And they said, do you see how every sound is new compared to the last? And I thought, that's not a proof. That's not a proof. What the hell are you doing? Like, I thought, that seemed crazy to me. And the host was like, well, I'm not sure I get that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, so I don't, I mean, I think it's really, I mean, like, what, it's, I think it's hard to see why repetition is used in that way other than you're just trying to evacuate this potential site of sameness, of yeah. sameness. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely because I, I agree with the idea that, um, that repetition, that, that, that I would agree with the idea that only repetition like creates difference or, or, you know, absolute novelty. I would agree with that, but I wouldn't, it's the, there's another word here, and it's 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 Umberto Eco uses this actually when he writes about um, the serial, but um, and he but then he ends up collapsing repetition to mean this other word, which is replication. Right. And right, right. and I, I think that there there are two there are two things going on there that there's replication, which is the the literal production of of, of the same. I, I think, and I, and I think that that's maybe best understood in a in a material way. Um, and then there is uh, then there's repetition, which is like uh, the example I like is, is, is you know, uh, Ray Allen uh, practicing three point shots. One of the great three point shooters in all basketball history. I maybe he shot two three pointers that went in the exact same way. Maybe I don't probably not, though. Probably right. little the you know, to use a, a, a phrase that Deleuze likes, uh, there's, there's a minimal difference somewhere. In, in, in right. that now in the production of uh, consumer products uh, there is of course errors and problems right like you get like like a, there'll be a misprint uh, you'll get airplanes upside down right. or you know or for stamps uh, or something like and that that creates novelty but but uh, it's but that's not the Liz's point is it like his point isn't that um, repetition, uh, sorry, his point isn't that replication of the same is doomed to failure and thus enables the new, his, his point is, is, is actually more dogmatic than that, that even within the, the complete and pure rep, uh, replication of the same, there is, there's novelty. There's novelty. And I don't, right. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure that I, I don't, I'm not sure that I, I I don't agree. I don't agree. Well, like even if it's true, then like, 
I don't get what's I just I want to say like so why is he like, why is he taking it on yeah so yeah he, like I don't yeah. I mean like of course like nothing is exactly the same as anything else I guess but then yeah. but then here's the problem I think and I, and I I think this is like a I don't I don't get how he gets out of this problem like <laughs> okay. in, in order to talk about it mm-hmm. we have to order it in some way right yeah. like and yeah. and so his allergy to ordering i think and and then i think it leaves him all the time trying to fight against the very medium that he has to use to yeah. present his idea and i think this reaches its apogee in the in in the work with guatari where he they're trying to just speak they use profanity they're trying to just say things mm-hmm. in ways that don't fit within normal academic discourse would fine but but the point is that they're struggling against signification itself and representation yeah. right like i think yeah you know yeah. like if representation is the is the villain and i think that's true like mm-hmm. rep- representation is the villain for deleuze which is what he associates with hegel and <laughs> representation in mediation which is interesting why mediation would be a villain right like that seems like really strange like why and i think much of his hostility to hegel comes from this hostility to mediation mm-hmm. but i think it does make sense if we come to a point that you talked to me about earlier off the air but i i, I which we'll get to but i i do mm-hmm. think it's interesting that he has to constantly try to fight against the very means that he has to use to make his point Right, like yeah. that's the so. There's this. It, it's it, and this is why I think there's a kind of, you know, even though they celebrate uh, a kind of psychosis, I think there's almost more of a perversion in the mm-hmm. in the philosophy because it's it's fighting against itself all the time. Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's interesting, and it makes more sense of like things that we might say are 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 misreads. It's it's kind of um, like the thing the thing with Hegel is really fascinating to me because it's on. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that on page 44 of Difference and Repetition, uh, there's just a line. He says, contradiction is not much of a problem for Hegel, like period, like that, that just begins a, a paragraph that way. Um, I'm going to double check myself on that to make sure. And I and I think that um, in what you were what you were saying about um, uh, mediation, like Hegel and mediation being on the side of 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 villainy right, um, right. for him. I think that makes sense if he thinks that there's not contradiction in mediation for Hegel, but I don't think that's true. I think elsewhere he demonstrates, I mean, I like, I think even other uh, people, I've just read other people who've talked about Deleuze and how he writes about Hegel. And, and they, they seem to, they seem to suggest that he understands Hegel as a, a philosopher of contradiction. So I, I, but well, I, mean, I think he does, but I think he thinks that contradiction is already a, it's an error, right? Because okay. if, 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 if being, Oh, sorry, is, here's the line. Okay. It seems that according to Hegel, contradiction poses very few problems. All right. Just that's it. That right. And, well, he has this idea that there's a synthesis, blah, 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 blah. Right. That's just wrong. <laughs> but, um, Oh, right, right. That, yeah, that's exactly that. Yeah. That's reading Hegel in the tradition of, of which is interesting. It's interesting yeah. when, when he does read certain people canonically versus when he doesn't. Like right, that's, right. Yeah. It's the bad guys get read canonically and, the, and yeah. the heroes don't. But okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I guess we do that too. So, but but <laughs> but then he does say this thing about Hegel that he represents concepts instead of dramatizing ideas. This is from oh, yeah, yeah. this is a line from from Difference in Repetition, and I think. 
for one thing, it's hard to imagine a worse understanding of Hegel than that. But <laughs> but but it is interesting. I think that idea. So I I do think if you've ever read any like one chapter from Hegel, you would say, wow, what he's doing is dramatizing a concept. I mean, that's, <laughs> I have all, I just wrote a whole essay on Hegel and drama and how he's introducing drama into philosophy because his whole point is, how do you find out what a concept really means? Well, you dramatize it and you see how yeah. it works itself out. So mm-hmm. that's just completely wrong. But I think it's an interesting error because it, it indicates that he has this absolute opposition between dramatizing and production on the one mm-hmm. hand mm-hmm. and representation on the other. So production mm-hmm. is good. Representation, which involves mediation and contradiction, is bad, right? I think mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his basic way of seeing it. And production is, of course, tied to time and representation mm-hmm. is tied to space. So it's, it's that whole kind of opposition that he has. And I think his, his ideal is to get to a purely temporal being that's not bogged down by its spatiality in any way. And I think, in a way, like, couldn't you see it? Like, there's this way in which it's tied to a Marxist program, (laughs) right? Like, like, could we, like, I think the, the Marxist ideal of if we strip away the capitalist relations of production, we free the means of production to be absolutely Mm -hmm. productive. So, yeah. so there's no limit on them at all. So if they didn't, so in a way, it's, a, it's like the utopianism in Marx. It's what Deleuze mm. totally takes up, right? This idea of like, we can get pure temporality, pure productivity without representation. We can get pure productivity of capitalism without the capitalist relations of production on top, which is, of course, a fantasy, right? Like yeah. if you eliminated, I mean, like this is what we saw in the really existing communist countries, right? Like they eliminated yeah. the capitalist relations production. All of a sudden production went in the toilet, right? Like yeah. they couldn't produce anything because the very, this, this limit on capitalism actually was the anstos, right? It was a, a mm-hmm. there's a, it was a fecund limit that actually creates productivity at the same time as it limits it. And just to, yeah. And, and just to kind of nail that, that down versus what um, Deleuze thinks, I think, here and then more explicitly uh, politically with Guattari is that they they think that limit can be loosed and that For and sure. I think, yeah, and, and I think that they, um, you know, in their in their own uh, terminology, they, they they would align that on the side of like schizo analysis sure. or, you know, like that, like that's loosing it of this of this contra- contradiction. But it is missing the precise way in which it is it, it yeah it is Fichte's term it is Anstas it is the 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 uh the the, the limit that that uh, creates the 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 possibility it is what Lacan talks about as the internal order of the series is that like what I, I think this is this is sort of my reading here is that like what when Deleuze hearing Lacan talk about how that's the how the symbolic order um is it, like occurs like he thinks like Oh, so that means that like there is no potential for radicality because right. it already has an internal order. But right. I I think Lacan's point is actually that like you know you you don't you don't have impossibility without p- possibility, and you don't you know like there the only way to like you need a limit to be able to go beyond the limit, and so the like what once you have 
once you have a series and it is ordered in a certain way and then like then you create the conditions for uh for a beyond to it and i think for Deleuze, he wants nothing to do with it and he wants he wants the i think i think he wants the beyond he doesn't want a body without organs he wants a beyond without contradiction miracles happen yeah. Right. Like he doesn't think yeah. miracles happen. And this is, you know, he gets this idea from Spinoza, the, the idea that I talk, I think we talked about this last time, the idea that, you know, that, that God's prohibitions are just prohibitions of things that are bad for us. So there's no evil, mm-hmm. there's only bad. And I mm-hmm. think if you, if you think that way, then you think there are, and Spinoza didn't believe in miracles, there are no miracles. Right. And I think yeah. once you have impossibilities, you actually have the terrain of where a miracle can happen, which yeah. is also, I think, a reason why being is not univocal, right? Like it, yeah. I think it all ties together because the miracle is a break in the univocity of whatever, if if there was univocity, which I don't think there is, but it, the, mm-hmm. it's a break in the in the in the pure in the field of pure imminence. Like the miracle, it's this point at which the the thing that's impossible on the terrain actually happens, right? Like the yeah. like so, like. Yeah, go. Just, just say it. The U.S. Uh, national team beating beating uh, the Russians, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, we could play ten times and they might win nine, right? <laughs> like, like yeah, that. The, the, but I was thinking too of Kant. Like when Kant says there are two things that fill me with with wonder: the the, the sky, the starry heavens above, and the moral law within. And it's the moral mm. law within that allows me to do what I wasn't supposed to do when the structure ordered me to do it, right? Like that's, like I was able, like everything was determining me to act in a certain way. And Kant believes because I have this moral law within me, I can say, look, I'm going to ignore all these determinants and I'm going to do this other thing. And I think that like for, for Deleuze, that doesn't make any sense. Like that. Yeah. Well, what we just described, well, what we just described, like like the, the, the the miracle on ice is called in the United States. Yeah. Um, That's just a possibility. That's actually him. not right, an, right. Yeah, right, that's right. actually not an impossibility. That's just right. that's just in the realm of things that could happen. And and what Deleuze is invested in is is this kind of I think this pure impossibility that um, I, I think that which which is a part of like where I struggle with because I don't like the I don't I don't see the the the. I don't I, I, I absolutely see the attractiveness of the, the position because like it does seem like like that seems more radical than anything else. Right. Because, right. you know, like it's 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 beyond even the ways in which we currently converse and, 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 and structure society or our lives. It is For this sure. like complete, pure beyond. And I I, I think that's uh, I, I don't. I don't know how that like I, I don't know how you're you're not just I don't know how you're not just talking about something that that can never exist rather than like I don't know but then isn't doesn't that get doesn't that get into a problem if the impossible occurred in the way in which like closest to how Deleuze would would want something to does that not just then fall back into just being in, in a realm of possibility I think that's like, a I, problem like, yeah I mean yeah but isn't it tied to his again this hostility to the signifier and I think yeah. And to representation, right? Like if it yeah. fit within the field of representation, then it would just be a bare representation. It would, yeah. it would be, there would be a banality to it. And I guess, yes. yeah, so yeah, I, I think like he wants something that, that it's very, 
the fact that it can't happen is the source of its attractiveness, right? But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I think his idea is that you can, you know, I think this is tied to the temporality that he finds so appealing in, in Bergson and the pure mm-hmm. difference there that, that I think he thinks that there are these moments happen and then they get recuperated. So I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. how he would, he would read it. It's like they get recuperated by, there's these pure, moments of pure production and then they get mm-hmm. recuperated by representation, and so that's the, so. It's almost like a it's almost like a, a, a Trotskyite permanent revolution, you know, where you're mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like constantly trying to produce and and have these nomadic singularities emerge, and then they're constantly being appropriated by the realm of the signifier and representation. I think that's what Deleuze sees constantly happening. Well, and th- I mean that would go back to one of our um like the to form a spine through this episode is that um a book on uh Deleuze that uh, Baju wrote is that like it it's i mean does he avow this in in that i haven't read the book with, yeah. uh, but and you have but does he avow this in that book that like his notion of the event comes from how Deleuze is is thinking uh about you know this like kind of impossible project, like in the way that you just described it. I know. It sound, I know. It no, he doesn't really say like it. Event. No, he yeah. doesn't say it. But I think that I think that is true. That there's a real link between Badu's concept of the event, and and I think I, I'm not sure about. I think doesn't it first appear in Logic of Sense? I'm not sure about when it, when when Deleuze first. Oh no. Yeah, conceptualizes yes. the event, but I think he oh, ties I don't know about it first. But he does talk. He absolutely. Talks it gets about really the theorized there, yeah. right? And yeah. and I think yeah. it's it's so the event. It's the it's a it's a it's hard to think about, right? Because it's a it's almost like a nonsense event that mm-hmm. gives rise to sense. And I think yeah. that's actually really close to Badu's conception, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. for Badu, the event is 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 apart from the situation and it actually inaugurates a new situation. So I yeah. think that there's swap a way out which, the word swap out a, a situation for series. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you know, that, that the disdain that Badu has for the situation is linked to the disdain that Deleuze has for the signifying order. So it's funny, mm-hmm. like maybe, so Deleuzeans hated Badu's book because right. he said Badu. Everybody thinks Deleuze is a, a philosopher of difference, but he's a really a philosopher of, of univocity and sameness. And people were just <laughs> Deleuzeans were irate. And mm-hmm. and and but but I think maybe this is that for Badu, he's really struggling with his own pre intellectual precursor. You know that he that's yeah. unavowed totally, but that because. I don't know, maybe that relation, because I think for Badu too, there's this way in which he invests so much in the event mm-hmm. that the banality of, he really is, wants to try to escape the banality of the situation, you know, and, and but the situation is our everyday life. And, and for Badu, that's just, it's just noxious. It's just, it's just to be gotten out of. And I mm-hmm. think that's something that separates him from, certainly Hegel and psychoanalysis, right? Like there, and I think Deleuze too, right? Like there's this, mm-hmm. there's this real contempt for the banality of the everyday. And I think for psychoanalysis, there's this like, can we see this like radicality in the everyday that's yeah. repressed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just to choose the, the most obvious word. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, you know what, that's a pretty good, um, 
there's something I wanted to mention in the previous episode, Good. but I, um, but I did, uh, I did not. And it was just that, um, I, um, I was on, uh, um, Neil uh, Gorman and Jared Elwert's, uh, podcast Inform, And we were talking, we talked about many things, but among the things we talked about was ordinary psychosis, which is something that I, uh, not sure what the right word would be, uh, grappled, struggled with what, um, uh, after my uh, car accident. And, uh, there'll be a link to that, uh, conversation in the, uh, show notes. But, um, but I, I think that's a, like, th- this is a, um, like a later, uh, Jacques-Alain Miller, uh, idea right. of ordinary psychosis. Right. And so anyway, um, certainly, certainly relevant, um, for that. I think back to the, to just this like discussion here about event, um, and uh, if, if for, I don't know to help to help a reader. I think it's in the 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 fifteenth series. I have this the fifteenth series of singularities from Logic of um, Sense, right? Yeah, from Logic of Sense. Sorry, yeah. is that this is that line? And this he's he's talking a, a lot about event in this um, section. Is it far from far from being individual or personal? Singularities preside over the genesis of individuals and persons. They are distributed in a potential which admits neither self nor I, but which produces them by actualizing or realizing itself. Although the figures of this actualization do not at all resemble the realized potential. This is where he, he gets into this, um, notion just for a page for a page number and, and a reference for anybody who wanted to do more, uh, exploration on this, like, uh, of, 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 of a, of a kind of event. And it's that like the, the Delusian event is, uh, that which, and I think this is kind of funny, like, because he's, well, he's, uh, the transcend would not be the right word, but it, it, uh, it transcends the series. Right. And, right. and, and has to, and I think where. Or it's prior to the series, I think. It's pri- prior, you would yeah. say so. Okay. Yeah. I, I think um, cause he would never have any truck with transcending. Yeah. Yeah. So in this, I mean, what do you think of. What do you think of Deleuze and the idea of, 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 of rupture? Because I also think he, he would have a problem with that. Like, I, I think that that's, that's the, that would be the difference between Baju and Deleuze right, on this point. Right, right, Like, right. I think, the, like, for, for what, for Baju, the event ruptures the situation and we don't go, we don't go back. Right. And I don't, and I don't think that's even an, I don't think that's enough for Deleuze. I think it, it like, it, we, we need something so singular that, it cannot be uh, encapsulated or or held within the series of significations at all. Right, and for and right, and Bedou would theorize fidelity to the event, and I think yes. that wouldn't make any sense to Deleuze because you're already you're within the signifying realm when you're trying to express fidelity to it. Yeah. I think that's I think you're right about that. That's really that's really good. I think that you know that in, in the end, I think nothing can be equivalent to the or nothing can be at the at the level of the event for for mm-hmm. Deleuze right so the the point I think for him obviously would almost be to make to con like the imperative the moral imperative is to make events right like uh, yeah so so it's almost and the important we get into oh sorry I was going to say to speak nonsense I thought you were going to say yeah. that right like to the, so the the immoral imperative is almost to produce concepts or to speak nonsense I was going to say to speak minorly. Okay, good. Because I wanted to come to that yeah. final final yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that yeah. the interesting way is in which the ethic is realized in the Kafka book. That this idea mm-hmm. of a minor literature, which is hard to understand, I think, because I I think that there have been this people that have are interested in in questions of racism that have taken up this book, but I really think that that's not what they mean by the minor, like that because. Mm-hmm. 
for they they think of Kafka as a minor literature just because he's writing in German and lived in Czechoslovakia, which mm-hmm. okay, many in Prague there were many German speakers, so it was I not, I wasn't ever sure what how that mm-hmm. meant that he was minor, but nonetheless, okay, yeah. Um, so what they like in Kafka is this idea of becoming minor, right? So so they think of like becoming woman or mm-hmm. most famously in Kafka, becoming animal, right? Like so so they get this primarily from metamorphosis. They see Gregor gets liberated from his bourgeois life as he mm-hmm. becomes a giant insect, right? And so it's just such a contrary interpretation <laughs> of that story because anyone that's read it has not felt like that's emancipation that Gregor is going mm-hmm. through, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it seems pretty horrific. And and so that's there's something to be said for this kind of against the grain reading, but I do think that that the becoming minor is the way in which you like that is the way to be in to be making events, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're being in the eventual. Sense. Yeah, yeah, in the Deleuze, yeah. not in the Baduian sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the, I think that's the terrain. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like if, um, again, if, if, if what, like in the, and this, I think this, this tracks, uh, I think, if, um, logically, right, is that like if, if you're going to exclude, the dom- if you're going to exclude uh, the 1980 uh, men's hockey, U.S. hockey team beating the uh, the, the Russians yeah. from like the from impossibility, and that's just then like you know what you're where where can you go like like that's so it's not actually big occurrences uh, that that occur it's not things that occur with uh, within the symbolic order then that could ever qualify as, as an event. They would just be like in some way inevitable, no matter right. how unlikely right. you know what just, I, they would always. Yeah. Yeah. I love about that example is that, and it, this just shows the eventual nature of it. So at the end of the, it's by the way, a pretty good movie by Gavin O'Connor with Kurt Russell is great as, mm-hmm. as Herb Brooks, the coach, but at the end of the hockey game against the Soviet union, they, the Soviet union, they don't, they're down by one goal and they don't pull their goalie, which is what you do when you're down by one goal. You, you pull the goalie to try to put more scores on the ice. And, mm-hmm. and the, the two American coaches look to each other and they go, they go, why is he pulling his goalie? And the other guy goes, he doesn't know what to do. Like they've never been yeah. behind. Yeah. So it was such an event for their coach that he didn't even know how to coach when he was down at the end of the game. Cause they really had had this like 80 game winning streak or something. So this is phenomenal. Um, so th- I think that's pretty interesting that there that it just goes outside of our even our ways of thinking event right and I think that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh we, I think that what he would insist oh I mean I think this is why um, so that's what so what you just said is like would be I think I would I would hold on to and and like I would want to argue for like no that that's that's what makes this that's what makes this an impossibility like right. it's a maybe this would be my phrase it's a structural impossibility right. Right. Like, and, and that's, that's right. for me, the, 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 the key thing, but what, um, I think Deleuze looks to, and this is, w- um, maybe within the terrain of the, the minor literature or, 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 you know, the kinds of questions that he asks and difference in repetition and, and logic of sense is like, how do we get, I don't like big, big things occur and they're in the symbolic order. They cannot be events. So we want to get really small and, and I, and, 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 
and on this molecular right. level, right. as it would be later uh, phrased in the in anti Right, that doesn't appear until the, with Guattari, I think. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, and and that it, so it's not like um, can there can there be these like the, these these minimal uh, differences? I I I guess I like I would think I think it's not it's not within the symbolic order. I don't think that works. Um, I, th- I think it's prior that, that to would, it. It, yeah, it would have to be prior or or against. Against, yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. And and I and and I mean, I, I think th- here's my this is my final question for you, and I, I think this would be my uh, this would be my I think this would make Deleuze like it would make sense to me in a, in a way again that I I don't agree with. But is there a meta language for Deleuze, and is is that how all of this like does yeah. that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, that this? makes a lot of sense, Ryan. Except I think he would say that it's actually a prior language, that there's something, okay. there's this... Because he talks about baby talk, right? Yeah, 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 logic, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so there's yeah. a kind of, and I think it's tied to temporality, and I think it brings mm-hmm. the minor literature back to Bergsonism, right? That, 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 mm-hmm. that the notion that every moment is a production of the new, mm-hmm. and that, that there's a, that in like baby talk or whatever, you're in that moment of pure productivity, and then, yeah, okay, okay. and then language itself. I mean, I think what he would say is language itself is a meta language. Like language okay. is reincorporating this pure productivity of our immediate temporality, and it's subjecting it to mediation. But mm-hmm. that mediation is not is not initial, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, I think in a sense that's the whole difference between Hegel psychoanalysis on one side and and Deleuze on the other. That for Hegel. You can't get rid out of representation because your productivity is already caught up in representation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think for Deleuze, no, there's this pure productivity that then subsequently gets mm-hmm. incorporated into representation. So I think that's I think that's the difference. And actually, I think what's interesting is that's the difference also between phenomenology and dialectics, right? So phenomenology also thinks that, that there's this mm-hmm. pure initial moment that's prior to mediation that then subsequently gets mediated. Although Deleuze is, for other reasons, hostile to phenomenology because he rejects subjectivity. But I think there is that, I don't know, I feel like that's the, that's the, where the rubber hits the road in terms of the opposition. Mm. And just as a quick note, that's the, almost the opposite of what Hegel means by phenomenology. Correct. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Husserlian, no, 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 no. Husserlian yeah. Heideggerian phenomenology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, um, I mean, I think, uh, I think that we, I mean, I'm looking at my, uh, my desk is just covered in notes for a little back behind the peek behind the curtain. Um, I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I've gotten, um, yeah, I'm, I'm through my notes. everything on this. Uh, yeah. You're through yeah. your notes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I think, think, although I do have a, I do have a, a lesson because, uh, Someone asked us if we would say, like, come up with movie recommendations at the end instead of just a stupid lesson. And, okay. Uh, but, but I think they're kind of together. But uh, okay. uh, I'll, I'll have to think about that. But, but my lesson is, for the, I think this is the perfect Delizian film. I wonder if you've seen it, called Waking Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. not good, but I think it's a perfect, it's like it really attempts to capture the, like the, the constant flux of mm-hmm. that Deleuze wants to wants to champion in his and he and has to do it with 
what do they call that rotoscoping? I think is what they call it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's correct. That's the Linklater film. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. always. Do you know what he's doing right now? I like do right not. now. I do. Not. So he's doing, <laughs> he's doing a, um, you know the the um, play or uh, musical uh, "Merrily We Roll Along." Yeah. Okay, he's doing. He's he's filming that, but over twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like boyhood, right? Like kind of like boyhood, yeah. but be, you know, and uh, anyway, so, I mean, I, that's, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. I mean, maybe Linklater is the, um, I think the he's Bergsonian, the Delusian filmmaker. Delusian Bergson, filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think because right. he's very much, cause he's about like the fecundity uh, of time, right? Like yeah, that's definitely. what he cares about. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm trying to think like, cause sometimes it's, is there an opposition? I wonder if this is, I don't know if this is, maybe this is not an opposition of like people moving through time versus like time moving through people. Like I think that the Deleuze would be on the side of like people moving through time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to this with the cinema books, I think. Yeah, because that's quite agential, but yeah. Yeah. And and then time moving through people, I think not not in favor of that. um, But that's, Anyway, so yes, that'll be for for cinema, and then I think, of course, the movie is Miracle on uh, on the other side. Oh, that's right. That's uh, our that's <laughs> our that's our non, uh, and we both really like it. I think, right? Like, I have yeah, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. My one son who played a lot of hockey, he he watches it monthly. So he, he really, and he, he like tries to talk us into watching it every four or five months. Uh, it's yeah. yeah, no, that's a, that's a seriously good. I mean, like especially in the category in the subcategory of that is sports films. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. just like. I mean, sports films are all about the event, really, and the impossible, the structural, what you called the structural impossibility. So yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah, no, exactly right. So yeah, so that would be that would be the film, the 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 film, the film lessons of that week. Yeah, yeah, one uh, one Delizian and one anti-Delizian, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. 